All right, Faith Promise, how are we doing this weekend, huh? Woo, man. It is great to see you, whatever campus is your work. Hey, Faith Promise, how are we doing this weekend? <laughs> I get paid to speak, you'd never know it. Whatever campus you chose to worship at this weekend, Blunt County, North Knoxville, Campbell County, Anderson County, our internet campus, the Pellissippi campus, you picked a great weekend to come. Actually, I didn't even realize it till this week. It's happy birthday because we as a church just turned 19 years old this week. So, amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, next year will be our 20th. We are working on trying to get the convention center downtown for next year. Have over 10,000, all of us in one location. It's been about six years since we've been in one service. The room will seat about 10,000, and so we're looking, planning next year, our 20th anniversary, because I tell you, 19 years, our God has done so much. It is amazing. We didn't really plan it this way, but it just worked out absolutely perfect, because God's got a great sense of timing. We finished this week in a 21-day fast, and what a better way to break a fast than with the Lord's Supper. Amen. Isn't that awesome? So we'll be... At the, at the end of the message, we'll be moving back in worship, and so get your hearts ready for the Lord's Supper, because we'll be, we'll be doing that, and I'll, I'm sure that everyone will be breaking the fast for the Super Bowl, or maybe you're praying for your team, I'm not sure, but it's been, listen, we're, we're just finishing a 21-day fast, we all began a Bible reading plan together, if you're brand new, it's your first time, you can get one of our journals, they're out by the doors, our resource center, they're free. You can dive in right where you are. We're all reading the same passages every day. We're reading through the Bible together. We've been fasting together, and God has breathed so much momentum into the church. January broke all, every attendance record we've ever had. God is moving people to being saved. It is absolutely great, and we're starting an exciting new series called I Am Faith Promise. Now, if this series is what we call an alignment. We do two a year, if you're new, where we align the weekend messages with the group studies. Now, they're not going to be the exact same topics because we had too many to cover. And so the six commitments through small group about what people, commitments people need to, be, need to make to be a part are, are really what's involved with being in the body of God. There's so many different things people have, so we're going to be studying together. I do about half the teaching via video in the small group. Uh, leaders will be doing the second half and group discussion. So if you're not in a group, you'd so we're beginning this week. The, the alignment. You need to get in one desperately. The theme of this series is Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus said, and I will build my church. Amen? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. A better translation, because I will build my church, puts a certain images in our mind. But the best translation of that word that Jesus said is, I will build my gathering. My gathering. He didn't die for a facility. He died for a people. He died for a gathering. And he said, where two or three are there, I'm in their midst. And so, you know, it is just huge all that God is doing. We're, our theme this year is you won't if you don't. If you don't sow, you won't reap. And we're praying for a hundredfold harvest. And we're already seeing it across the board. It is, it's amazing what God has already done in one month of this year. We all know that Jesus died for the church, right? But what some people don't realize is he's not dead. Nor is his church dead. Now, be careful, and especially young adults. And we have tons of next-gen leaders and 
young adults, and I thank God for you. Be careful your outlook on the church and where you get it from. Get your outlook from the church, from the word, and from experience, not from the culture, because we live in the most anti-church culture America has ever seen, right? And so be careful, you know, John Stewart being your theologue. Be careful letting Conan tell you what the church is all about. Let's, let's, let me, you know, let's, let's, so just be careful. Has the church got some issues? Sure it does. Can the church be better? Absolutely. But Jesus died for the church. And I want to tell you something. I love my church. Anybody else love their church? Man, I love it. And, and, and can I tell you something? It's weird in today's culture to say I love my church. It's okay to say I love my dog. And some even say they love their cat. I don't understand why, but, you know, some people, I love my team. I love my college. I love pizza. I love steak. I love football. I can't wait for the Super Bowl. I love, I love, I love. I love all these things, and that's okay. But when you look at somebody and say, you know what, I love my church, like Butch did on that video, people say, what? You love your what? Your church? What's, what's that all about? See, the Super Bowl's coming, and everybody's excited. $4 million for a 30-second commercial. I figured that up. That's one hundred thirty-three thousand dollars a second. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of greenbacks. And, see, and that's okay. That's the great Budweiser and the Clydesdales, and man, they'll all be on there. And half the people watch Super Bowl not for football, for commercials, and and you know, all that's good. But when you say I love the Super Bowl, nobody says, "Well, you're a weirdo." You say, "I love my church." People say, "What?" I mean, come on, your church. That's odd. See, we are, I am faith promise. You are faith promise. We are faith promise. Is that right? We are. We're faith promise. We are five local campuses. We are one international uh, internet campus. We're one international campus in Costa Rica. But, you know, I don't love my church because of its size. I love my church because of its Savior. See, he, again, he is still the head. Jesus founded the church, and he came out of the grave, and he is still the head of the church. And we come to church to marvel at the master. The church is not about me. The church is really not even about you. The church is about him. Is that right? But let me tell you what I hear. I've never heard it more than I hear it now after 32 years of ministry. I hear this. Well, you know, Chris, I can be a good Christian. I don't need to go to church. Let me help you with that. First, it's not biblical. Jesus said, I died for my gathering. You ought to get in that gathering. It also is in Hebrews 10, 25, to do not forsake the assembling together of yourselves as the manner of some is. The Bible says to gather for worship. And so people say, I'm being a good Christian. Well, not biblically you can. And really, it's not even logical either. Oh, I'd be a good Christian. That's like saying I can have a great marriage and never go home. Now, let me ask you a question. If I never went home and I was never around Michelle, what would happen to our marriage? We'd begin to drift, wouldn't we? And that drift would get worse and worse because we're not spending time together. And it would get worse while we, man, we set time to be together because we want to stay very intimate. And so, man, but what happens when people don't go to church, it's a Jesus drift. You don't stay wired into the master and, 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 and unplug from his church. Does that make sense? And so, man, it is, it is, it's huge. So I want to walk through an event in the life of Jesus in, in uh, Matthew's gospel, the ninth chapter. And in this, I want to pull three things out of this event that we're going to watch Jesus experience. And out of that, 
really pick three, we could pick three hundreds of reasons to love the local church. Because does, does God love the church? Absolutely. So I'm going to give you three reasons. Number one, and then we're going to look at, at, at Matthew chapter 9. We're going to pick it up in verse 9. God provides hope through his church. He provides hope. Do you know who, feed all the, you know who feeds the homeless in Knoxville? The church does. Do you know who clothes the homeless in Knoxville? The church does. And other organizations that time with the church like Carmen and other groups. Man, it's the, it, it's the church. And so he provides, he provides hope. Now, let me ask you a question before we read this story together. Have you ever felt hopeless? Excuse me? Man, we all know it, don't we? Hopeless is a horrible feeling. It's terrible to feel hopeless, but from time to time, that emotion, that feeling visits us all. Whether it's addiction you can't, you can't shake, or your marriage is falling apart, or your business crashed, or you're not where you thought you'd be, or you thought you'd be married and you're not, or you, know, you thought you'd have kids and you don't, or you thought you wouldn't have kids and you do. I mean, it can go either way, and you know, you have this hopelessness because of what's going on. It could be relational, it could be emotional, it could be spiritual, it could be financial. You're broken, wondering if you're going to lose your home, and how are you going to put food on the table? It can come from a myriad of different sources, but we all understand hopelessness. Now, the good news is Jesus understands it, too, and Jesus knows how to help the hopeless. Look at verse chapter 9, verse 9 of Matthew, and Jesus went on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth, IRS agent. We don't like him. And he said, follow me. And after he got up, and follow, he got up and he followed him. Now, who does Jesus see? A tax collector, a traitor. In this culture, Rome ruled all the known world, and Rome divided all the tax regions up. And that what they would do is they would put that region out to bid. And whoever bid the most money got to be the tax collector for that region. And they had the Roman army to back them up. And so here, the Jews are, are a vassal state of Rome. And so Rome controls them. They hate it. Now one of their own, Matthew, a Jewish man, bids and gets this region. And he is a crook, ripping people off, taking too much. He's wealthy. And can I tell you, there is no one more hated in this culture than a tax collector, a traitor. This guy, I mean, again, was corrupt. Matter of fact, it is, they, hated, they hated him so much, are you ready, that they made a separate, uh, a separate classification, tax collectors and sinners. They weren't just sinners. Are you with me? They're tax collectors and then sinners because they like sinners better than tax collectors. It wasn't the IRS. When you walk by, they say, hey, you got to pay X. Well, I don't owe X. Well, that's tough. Pay it. Well, actually, that is like the IRS. And so, <laughs> and so you don't have any fallback. So everybody hates these guys. They are, they're, they're just reject. It's, and so Jesus walks by. He sees Matthew. Nobody else sees Matthew because everybody ignores Matthew. They hate him. But Jesus saw a hopeless, helpless man stuck in a horrible situation. And sometimes, church, we have to hurt enough to realize our need. Does that make sense? And so Jesus sees him. See, Jesus understood hurting because the cross was directly in front of him. He knew what was going on. So Jesus walks over to the tax booth. At this point in the ballgame, the disciples are a little uneasy. The crowd doesn't understand. And everybody that was close enough proximity to hear what Jesus said, he said, hey, Matt, come and follow me. Come hang out 
with me. Here's a guy that society had written off, and Jesus said, hey, you're not worthless. You're not a cast out. Come and follow me. Everybody's uncomfortable. Are you with me? I mean, nobody knows what to do. And let me tell you about the church in America. We don't like to be uncomfortable. We, don't, we want the right temperature. We want the right decibel level of the music. We want the right length of the service. We want easy access parking. If there's any issue, if there's any, I don't get my seat, any issues, we don't like uncomfortableness in the church, do we? Excuse me? I will come to your house and call your name. And so the disciples are saying, oh, Jesus has messed up. The crowd is saying, whoa, 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 Jesus, hey, wait, listen. Tax collector, punch him in the nose and run. And Jesus said, hey, Matt, he ignores everybody. Hey, Matt, come on and follow me. And they said, whoa, wait a minute, Jesus, listen. You, do you understand what this guy did? He ripped me off, man. All I did. Everybody's mad. And Jesus said, hey, Matt, come and follow me. Now, what the people hanging around most likely would have said is, hey, Jesus, if you're going to tell him to follow us, tell him to knock it off. Amen. Stop it. Filthy, notorious tax collector. Not good enough to be a sinner. Tell him to stop it. Repent. And if you repent, get your heart right, then you can follow us. That's the way the church does it. But our Lord, who built his church, who died for his church, understands what the first step is. And the first step in talking to somebody is not telling them what they need to stop. Man, if there's a reason that the church is in a negative light, that they did it on their own, it's that. See, we want people act saved when they're not. You, you listen, you can't ask a blind person to see. You can't treat a blind, uh, uh, someone who has no sight like they have sight. And so what Jesus knows is the first step is always the same. Are you ready for the first step? Come hang with Jesus. Hey, he'll transform your behavior. See, most churches are not about salvation. They're about behavior modification locations and stations. They're, they're, really a, they're really a knock it off ministry. Stop doing that. Quit, quit, quit doing, quit drinking beer, quit cussing, quit chewing and dipping and spitting and going girls that do. Stop all that stuff. Act like, a, come on, stop that. Jesus didn't say knock it off. Jesus said, hey, Matt, come follow me. Come on, hang out. Because can I tell you something, church? There's always a next step. That's why we call our core process a next step. And we celebrate with those people who, will be, who take next steps. For some, it's to give your heart to Jesus. For the others, it's to be baptized. We have baptisms that will be happening all weekend at campuses. For others, it's to get in a group, especially in this line. For others, it's to join the generosity journey. For others, it's to you know, get on the Bible reading record. It's, we, there's always a first step, and we celebrate when, when people make a first step. Because, listen, doesn't Jesus develop the model and not us? And that's how Jesus worked this deal. Do you know for some of you what your next step is? Let me tell you, you know what it is? Just come back next weekend. I'm serious. You've not given your heart to Jesus. You haven't made the faith step. You don't really like church because somebody bribed you. They're going to take you to dinner or lunch or breakfast. Make it good. Order a steak. You say, it's breakfast, steak and eggs. And so, you know, so you, you, haven't, you haven't made it. Just come back next weekend because we're not as weird as you thought we were. Or does that make sense? See, Jesus looked and said, hey, Matt, society hates you, but I don't. 
Society's turned its back on you, but I haven't. Hey, Matt, let me tell you what I need you to do. Just come hang out with me. Just come out and hang out with Jesus. Are you ready? See, I love the church because it provides hope for the world. The second reason I love the church is because of Jesus' heart for us. And let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus is cool as a cucumber in uncomfortable situations and circumstances. We don't like him, but man, Jesus is cool with him. He's in this situation. The disciples are mad. Everybody, everybody's freaking out. I, I heard a story the other day. Listen, it's going to rock your world, but I'm going to tell it anyway. A pastor at a very large church has been inviting his friend to come to church, and finally the friend said, I'll go. He said, I'll pick you up on Sunday. He went, honked the horn. The guy ran out. He had a black T-shirt on with three big words, crazy MFR. So he had on a shirt. Now, this guy didn't know Jesus. Hey, man, he's just, it's what he wears. It's, it's society. And so he got in the car, and the pastor said, dear Lord, what's going to happen? I'm walking in with this guy wearing this shirt. I'm the pastor. He tries to put him in the balcony. The guy sits on the front row. He's got a TV ministry. <laughs> Have you ever seen what the camera guys do during TV ministries? They pan the crowd. <laughs> beep, 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 right here. And guess what? God, held, God just right there, just happy as a clam on the front row of the church. Everybody's freaking out around him. Invitation was given, the guy gave his heart to Jesus. Come on, are you with me? Come on. Now let me ask you a question. What would have been the response at most churches if that guy would have entered in wearing that shirt? Get out, turn it inside out. Now, he would have come, obviously, you wouldn't let a visitor work with children. It wouldn't let, but, but see, our deal is, hey, listen, guys, we have to let people come hang out with Jesus. We have to allow, and this is where that we, so we come. So Jesus says, come follow me. Look at verse 10. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, <laughs> he's at Matthew's for dinner. He's lost his mind. And behold, many tax collectors and sinners, there they are separated again. Many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. Now listen, do you think the disciples were uncomfortable? Come on. Man, these guys are flipping out. They're in a house full of tax collectors and sinners. These people are probably at an open bar. And they, I don't know what all they were doing, but it wasn't all right. It, it wasn't. And so, and so do, you think, do you think a lot of people in that room were uncomfortable? Excuse me? Absolutely. Because these people were nothing like Jesus, were they? Nothing. There's only one person in the room that was comfortable. Who's that? Didn't bother him a bit, did it? It didn't bother him a bit. See, we think when somebody comes to church, it's out of place or not dressed right or something's wrong. We think we got to tell them how they're supposed to act in the house of God. That's not what Jesus did. Isn't he the model? Isn't he the master? And so, man, he, listen, you know the amazing thing that, that, that people that were not like Jesus liked Jesus? Now, it, it, the people that you know that are non-believers ought to like you. If you're offensive because you're saved, you're too religious. Because, listen, the only people Jesus offended were the religious. That's the only people got mad at him. The sinners, man, the sinners, the tax collectors, they were always drawn to him. See, let me tell you what the problem with most churches in America are, or most churches. Are you ready? 
Most churches are worried about what other churches think, not about what the lost people think. Well, what will other pastors think in town if I do this? What will the other churches say about us if we do this? And really, well, the question we're asking churches: wonder what the religious people will think if we do this. Now, did Jesus ever care what the religious people thought? No, we've got to be able to embrace the uncomfortable. People that walk in don't look like us. Don't man, the, you know, man, we've got to be comfortable. I'm not saying people can, you know, run around and scream in, in a service because there's, there's order within the house of God. But, listen, we've got to love folks right where they are. Jesus' first deal was not repent. That wasn't his first deal. It was, hey, come hang out with me. Now, if you're coming and you're, you're new or you've been around and you're not a part of us, just listen, listen. Just keep hanging out with us and you won't be the same. You're not good. You're, maybe you haven't gotten it yet. Maybe you haven't stepped over the line of faith and, and walked, for the Bible says, from death into life or to, stepped into salvation. Maybe, listen, maybe you haven't made that decision yet, but I promise you, if you hang out, you will. Because nobody hung out with Jesus and stayed the same. It's the reason I love Faith Promise Church. See, if you want to reach people that nobody's reaching, you've got to do what nobody's doing. The religious churches all around Knoxville are doing plenty. We've got to do differently if we want to reach people nobody's reaching. Does that make sense? And so our deal is we're going to do whatever it takes to be like Jesus. Let's look at the next verse. This is so cool. Verse 11. And when the Pharisees saw this, that Jesus is hanging out, having barbecue at Matt's house, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? Does he not realize where he is? Is he not, is, is he not a religious leader? Can, can, listen, first off, can I tell you the Pharisees are not the good guys. They're the ones that killed him. Remember? These are not the good guys. These are religious guys. They have the whole Bible memorized, all 37 books of the Old Testament. They, they fasted two days a week. They, they, man, they gave a 10% of all that they had. These guys were religious to the core, but they never got the agenda of Jesus. They never got the agenda of our master while he was here. Does that, does that make sense? See, what, what the religious people say, if you'll behave like us, if you'll believe like us, if you'll dress like us, if you'll act like us, if you'll talk like us, then you can be a part of us. And Jesus just said, come hang out with me. Just, just come hang out with me. Just come, come on, just hang out. Because if you hang out with Jesus, you'll be transformed. Because there are thousands of people that come here every weekend that are so different than you used to be. Would you all agree with that? And you never thought you'd be sitting in a church with your hands up celebrating worshiping and taking notes. And you never thought you'd be doing ministry at a church. You thought you'd be doing a thousand other things. You never dreamed you'd be here. See, that's the reason we exalt Jesus, because he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men into myself. And see, everybody needs grace, right? And so faith promises a place of grace and healing and hope and help. It's a, it's a place where we walk beside the wounded and the outcast, people that think nobody loves them or cares about them. And so we, we, we love everybody that walks through the door. And so how, how, does, how, does, how does it begin? How does this transformation begin? It begins, step one, by admitting you have a problem. Isn't that right? you got to admit, hey, i got an issue. I have a problem. Look at verse 12. But when Jesus heard this, that the Pharisees were asking, he said, is it, not those who are, it is not those who are healthy that need a physician, but those that are sick. <laughs> now, once you realize what he just did, 
He told everybody at Matthew's house they're sick. Was anybody offended? No, because they were building a relationship with him. And they realized he was like no other person ever on the face of the planet. He looked at the relationship people and said, hey, it's, man, it's, hey, healthy people don't need a doctor. It's people that are sick. Matthew wasn't offended. He wasn't offended. Because, listen, if you hang around with Jesus, you'll realize if you're sick. You'll know if you're separated. You'll realize if you are what the Bible calls lost or separated. The Bible says your sins have made a separation between you and your God. It has hidden his face from you that he will not hear you. You know that. And so let me tell you what happens in faith promise. Conviction of sin happens here. And some people even say, man, that church is so judgmental, man. Listen, we're not judgmental. You felt judged by God and you blamed us. We love you. When nobody walked down the aisle and smacked you upside the head with a stick, I've wanted to. <laughs> but see, it, but we, don't, we don't do that. See, people are welcome here. And so people leave. With the conviction of sin falls, and God begins to say, hey, you're sick. You need a Savior. And some people run away and say, I don't want that, man. I don't want that. And they miss it. And they spend forever in hell when they die. And others say, hey, man, I didn't, I, this church is not judgmental. But I know I've done wrong. I realize I'm sick. I realize I need a Savior. I realize I need Dr. Jesus. And that's why we welcome people, because hurting people need Jesus. Everybody's hurting and messed up, right? Is, is that right? Everybody's hurting and messed up. We're not about behavior modification. We're about transformation. See, I didn't just get religious. I was a drug dealer, dope addict. I got saved, and my life was brand new. Got a new heart, new start, new change. I'm not the guy that I used to be. So look what he tells the Pharisees, verse 13. I love this. Hey, go learn. The most learned people in the room, all of them PhDs, double PhDs, with extra postdoc work. Every one of them. Hey, go learn. Here's a guy who's not even been to school. Go learn. That's offensive. Go learn what it means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous but sinners. I came for tax collectors. See, the religious people are insulted. They don't think they need Jesus. He says, hey, man, I'm, I'm coming after these folks. This is, this is who I'm after. This is what I'm looking for. Does that make sense? See, I love the church. I love faith promise because, man, we love people, and the heart of God goes out toward people here. And I love that. Man, I'm stoked about that, that it really is a come as you are. The people just come as they are, you know, and then God changes their, their life. Let me give you the third reason I love the church, because the church is heart for the broken. Now, when it comes to church, let me, let me explain something to you. If you're at the center of your world, you won't like any environment that takes you out of the center. Did y'all hear that? If you are the center of your world, you won't enjoy any environment that takes you out of the center. That, by definition, is what the church is. It takes you and me out of the center, and it places Jesus directly at the center, the heart, the one that we worship and love the one that died and rose from the grave. And it means that, I, as John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. But there are a lot of people who don't want to be a church like that because they want to be the center of their world. Come on. Come on. And Jesus is the center of faith promise. If folks come and say, hey, you know, faith promise is just too big. Well, let me ask you, what does that mean? Does that mean that we have too many children that come? Of the 1,400 kids that will be ministered to this weekend across Faith Promise globally, there's too many kids, so many of those kids that are not in families and know anything about the Lord, many of those are brought by people here that love God and they're loved and cared for. Are we just ministered to too many kids? Or is it that there's too many students? 
because they're everywhere, like locusts. I mean, is it, is, it, is it that there's too many students? Is it we spend too much money on student camp and too many kids are getting saved and too many kids are keeping their virginity and too many kids are being called to serve God and too many kids are walking out of a, a crappy background and they're beginning to walk in the light of God? Maybe it's too many students are getting saved. Maybe, maybe too many captives are being set free. You know, you know what I mean? Well, the church is too big. Well, are we just going to let everybody else that's trapped in sin go to hell? Not as long as I got a breath in Jesus' name. Come on, church, man. Are there too many marriages that are being restored? Are too many people missing hell and gaining heaven? The church is too big. See, this is our decade of dreams. We're, we're believing that we're going to reach 10,000 people in this decade. We'll be at 10,000 by the end of this decade. He said, Chris, that's impossible. Well, man, yeah, but not with God. Because there's 10,000 people he wants to set free. We're going to get them and set them free in power of Jesus' name. And God's going to build one of the greatest churches since the day of Pentecost. He said, man, I don't care about numbers. Every number has a name. Every name has a story. Every story matters to God. Every number has a name. Every name has a story. Every story matters to God. And so, and so what's your next step? For some of you, you need to get in a group. Again, some of you just come, hey, just come back next week. What, what's your next step? Your campus pastors at all of our campuses, if you guys just make your way forward. And just a minute after, when I pray, you guys give all the direction at your campuses about the Lord's Supper and and uh, you guys, as you go back into worship, y'all handle, uh, we'll go. Uh, you guys take over the services in just a minute. You, you know what I bet? I bet there's some people with us this weekend that have never been born again. You might be religious, but the Bible says that religion stinks in the nostrils of God. The religion is why we're at war all across the world right now. You do realize that, don't you? It's all about religion. And, and what we need is a relationship with God. What we need is to have our sins forgiven. What we need is to have our name written in God's book because that's why Jesus died for us. And so if you're struggling, you don't understand, you're not sure, but you'd like to, you'd like to take the leap of faith this weekend and step into the kingdom of God and have your sins forgiven, you realize, hey, I'm separated, I'm sick like Matthew, I, I need Jesus. Then with every head bowed, every eye closed. If... If that's you, we're going to pray a prayer out loud with you. And just pray this prayer. It's not a magic prayer. It's just a surrender prayer. It's acknowledging your sin and acknowledging your need and crying out for the Lord Jesus to save you. So, Faith Promise, let's just pray this prayer out loud with all of our campuses, with people who right now are about to be saved. Say, Dear God, I know that I've sinned, and I am so sorry. Jesus, I need you. I need salvation. Come into my heart and make me brand new. Give me, a, give me a new start. I will walk by faith and I will follow you in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, come on, church, let's give my hand, would you? Come on. So this is this is, this is why I love faith promise. What a fitting thing to move into. If you prayed that prayer with me, do me a favor. Take your communication card that's in front of you in the seat back pocket and just fill that out and just give us your cell number. Say, I prayed with the pastor. 
We'll call you. We'll help you. You can drop in the offering box on your way out. We don't care about your money. We care about your heart. Once we get your heart, we'll talk about your money then. Because <laughs> if he gets your heart, he gets it all. And so we're, we're, we're going to move into a time of remembering. And so if you would look around you, there's going to be, you campus pastors, if you guys would go ahead and stand where so people could see you before folks move. But there are Lord's Supper stations behind the sound booth in the middle aisle three. They're across the front here. And, and go to whichever station is close to you. But this, hey, listen, I don't know about you, but I'm glad a, a religion didn't die for me. I'm glad a live Jesus, the Son of God, died for our sins and rose from the grave. And so these campus pastors are going to be here to pray with you during this time. Maybe you want to pray with someone. But I just want to, if you're not in a right standing with God, just sort of put off the Lord's Supper if you would. Just We'll, we'll tell you why later, but not in this service. But, but, but for those of us who are born again and those of us, man, who are thrilled that Jesus died for us, so grateful. When, when the worship team leads us, just go to a station, pick up a cracker, and just say, thank you, Jesus, that you gave your body for me. Take the grape juice. Thank you, Jesus, that you shed your blood for me. Walk back to your seat, and just in a moment of private worship, take that, and then stand and join in a quiet worship. Because I don't know about you, but the reason that we love our church is that Jesus died for the church. It's not because I'm the pastor or we have a great staff or we have a big building. It's the head of the church, and we come to marvel at him. Amen. Spirit of the living God, as we begin to worship, as we gather around these tables, I pray that you would so move, you'd so energize us, you'd so baptize us fresh and new with the Holy Spirit that, you would, that you'd move in, that, God, our hearts would be filled with gratitude as you gave your son and he died for us. So have your way in these holy moments. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, let's stand and worship when you're ready. Their campus pastors will pray with you or make your way to the tables.